If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Fires upfield into the end zone. It is caught. Jelani Woods. Touchdown. He's going to fire upfield. It's broken up. Tipped and up. intercepted by the Colts. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Colts have it. Interception. Two seconds left. And the Colts are going to win. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Welcome into the official Colts podcast here on the Colts Audio Network and on the Colts YouTube page. We are sponsored by Win Las Vegas. I'm JJ Stankovitz. She's Lara Overton. No Jeffrey Gorman today, but we do have Colts offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter coming up later on the podcast. Lara and I had a chance to sit down with Jim Bob last week ahead of the Colts game against the Titans, but mostly... Larry, we kind of talked about big picture stuff, his coaching career, how this season has gone. So you're going to want to stick around for that. Shane, the his dynamic, dynamic Shane. especially with the offense, building the game plan. How much he sounds like that. Peyton Manning. That correct, correct. All of the above. That's coming up later on this episode. Larry and I, though, we're going to talk a little bit about the AFC playoff race, which is just like it's off the rails right now. Are you not entertained right now if so, you are a fan of the NFL? Like so much has happened since – the Colts kicked off against the Titans that <laughs> like in that game in that alone. game alone but outside of it you've got uh Kenny Pickett has an ankle injury he mm-hmm. underwent surgery that could throw his status mm-hmm. for the Colts Steelers game in two weeks into flux then the Cincinnati Bengals with Jake Browning just go and light up the Jaguars win 31 34 to 31 in overtime on Monday Night Football Jake Browning who the Colts will face this week coming up in Cincinnati. And this was his first win since like 2018. Yeah, since he was in wa- at Washington. He just throws for 354 yards against one of the best defenses in football. Pretty good. Uh, Cincinnati would have won this game by a lot more had they not attempted two wide receiver passes. Not one, but two. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the AFC wildcard race, Larry. This and is Jacksonville what, may have won had Trevor Lawrence not gone down. That's where I kind of want to go with this. Yeah. The AFC playoff race... To me, it's coming down to, unless you are, and there's still time in the season, but unless you are, you've got Tua, who's been healthy, Lamar, who's been healthy, Mahomes, who's been healthy this year. Although he took a shot. He he did. On Sunday. Shouldn't have been a penalty, but that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see what, you know, his status is throughout the week. I mean, usually doesn't miss a ton of practice, but I mean, after that, I was surprised he got up as quickly as he did. So think think about the AFC playoff race as... Whose backup quarterback <laughs> is playing the best right now? Yeah, Jake Browning vaulted to the the top of this. When I was thinking about this yesterday, I was like, "Well, Gardner Minshew is." Mm-hmm. Jake Browning had an incredible game, but the Steelers are going to have to lean on Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, for some period of time with Kenny Pickett out, he's not going to play Thursday night against the Patriots. The Cleveland Browns are on Joe Flacco, mm-hmm. who they signed off the street recently, and they had cycled through P.J. Walker, Dorian Thompson, Robinson. With Deshaun Watson out, the Colts are on Gardner Minshew since Anthony Richardson has Mm -hmm. been out. The Bengals are on Jake Browning with Joe Burrow out. Teams that have not lost their starting starting quarterback, the Bills, the Broncos, the Texans, and now the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. Trevor Lawrence sustaining an ankle injury on Monday Night Football. We'll see if C.J. Beathard, their backup quarterback, has to play. They play the Browns this weekend. Mm -hmm. The AFC South is still up for grabs. The Jaguars have tiebreakers over the Colts and the Texans, but that is still up for grabs. Lara, like this landscape, it's it's just nuts, but I feel okay about it 
because I've seen what Shane Steichen has done with Gardner Minshew and winning a game like the Colts won against the Titans is a big marker and a big point in the favor of the Colts in this playoff race. The Colts have been the team that has just found a way week in and week out having to win games in different ways find ways to win regardless of like the crazy back and forth nature that you saw in in Nashville on Sunday um but I think that when you talk about okay whose backup is playing the best yes you mentioned Jake Browning but it's also whose backup quarterback is playing the most consistently over the course of multiple games where you feel like that you often see a backup quarterback who comes in for that, you know, that start coming up in relief and for a game or two, it injects something, you know, you're fresh off, you're able to, you know, you have that excitement, that enthusiasm, you're thrust into this position. So there's a ton of hype behind it. Then it's hard to kind of sustain that. Yeah. And then it also, as you get more and more games that you're stacking, you're also allowing defenses to see more so how you are scheming for that quarterback versus your starter. So I think it'll be beneficial for the Colts with the Bengals upcoming to have seen how the, how Jacksonville played them. Yep. Also with the Colts having played Jacksonville too. So mm-hmm. there's that commonality in all of it. Then also having an opportunity with a few weeks to see what Mitchell Trubisky does with Pittsburgh. So you like where the Colts are right now in being able to game plan for these backup quarterbacks and having at least some sample size to work from rather than if it were a situation that one of these guys were coming in mid game. Right. Yes. No, I think that's a really good point. And I mean, at this point in the season, opposition knows what Gardner Minshew is. Mm -hmm. They know what this offense is going to be. And the Colts are now, they won four games in a row. And And there were questions of what will this offense look like now without Jonathan Taylor? Because you had had a lot of that mix of Moss and JT. Now, obviously with the game plan from the Titans was to stop the running game. Now, how does that adapt moving forward? And kind of what does this offense look like without Jonathan for a couple of weeks? They stopped the run game, but they couldn't stop Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman. Right. So that opened up some things in the passing game. Um, It's there's so much to be decided right now. But I pulled up the the New York Times, their playoff odds, and the Colts still have the second highest odds to earn a wild card spot among those contenders. Uh, the Texans are at 82%. They're the highest. Then, But then the Colts are bunched right up there at 60%, with the Steelers at 54%, the Browns at 53%, the Broncos at 23%, the Bills at 15%, and the Bengals at 10%. So it's all over the place. And like these things change. They're just wild well, swings. No one thought the Steelers were going to lose to the Cardinals on Sunday. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then the other thing worth noting about Houston is I know not a quarterback, but they've lost Tank Dell, yep. who was having a tremendous rookie season. So how does that impact their offense? You know, what what are what are the Houston? What are the Houston's? What are the Texans <laughs> going to look like? Same deal. When they come into Lucas Oil Stadium in January mm-hmm. and the magnitude of what the implications from that game could be are monstrous. The, th- this is just, I, like, I have so many different thoughts about this, but the thing that I keep going back to with the Colts specifically is they have certain things that they can lean on. And like you caught up with EJ Speed after the game. And something that he said was like, when we win games like this, it just, it, it grows the belief in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Like when you win a game where like, 10 things happened that were you're like, I've never seen that before. 
and you know Julian Blackman losing a fumble that he recovered. Uh, Gardner Minshew almost throwing an interception with 20 seconds to go in the game. Uh, just all over the place in this game. The two, pick two. Two block punts. Two block punts. There's so much that happened. One that, was like, technically, I think, a fumble. Yeah, one was technically punt, a fumble, but, but yeah. You know, we're semantics the, at this point. But when you win games like that, there's just like, and I talked about this with Bill Brooks on Instant Reaction, but there's just something like, you've been around teams that have made runs that they just have that, like, that factor of mm. they believe they're going to win any game they're in. Mm-hmm. And that starts to then manifest itself. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing. You can you can be less talented than certain teams in this playoff race. But if you have that belief, that usually actually winds up overcoming just pure talent. I also think it comes down to the preparation and, and how you prepare the guys to go into each of these scenarios and prepare them for regardless of what the circumstances are, this is how we're going to adapt. And I think that's one of the things that the Colts have done so well over the course of this season, especially over that stretch of November. And now into December when you have, what are we at, four straight wins? Four straight wins. Four straight wins. Without Grover Stewart, by the way. By the way, that's also the longest active win streak in the AFC, tied for the longest active win streak in the NFL alongside a couple of casual teams named the Niners and the Cowboys. Yeah, I think are probably the two best teams in the NFL. I would would stake my claim that we'll see who wins this weekend between the Eagles and Cowboys, but those are right now. Right. I'm picking those two teams. Yeah. That's pretty good. Pretty good company. Pretty strong. And this Colts team, like, they just – they have this – this kind of it factor on offense where I think that that leans into Michael Pittman Jr. right now, where he's playing at an incredibly high level. Mm -hmm. But then on defense, the Colts are second in the NFL in sacks with 42. And now you're adding Grover Stewart back in. I was listening to uh, the athletic football show with Robert Mays and and Nate Tice, who I think do a great job breaking down the league. And they said something about the Colts, like, yeah, their front isn't very physical against the run. And I just like screamed in my car, that's because Grover Stewart hasn't been in there. (laughs) Now Grover Stewart is back. If you can get back to being a top 10 run defense, which the Colts were when Grove was in there, and you're adding in, you're now a top two team in sacks, that's a pretty good combination for this front to go after. But one thing I will add, and I'm going to have to pull up my my notes really quickly here from Sunday's game. I asked DeForest Buckner about this last week. It was just about the opportunity this has been for other guys, other rotational guys on the defensive line to step up and get valuable reps in place of Grover Stewart. There's no replacing Grover Stewart, but it has been such a valuable opportunity for guys to be thrust into those situations with very, you know, you know, very tough matchups like a Derrick Henry just last week. And I think that that is going to help this Colts team going into a playoff push because you do have some confidence. You have guys who have had reps when, as you are trying to rotate guys through and keep that defensive front fresh, you have guys who have stepped up in significant uh circumstances to play really, really well for you. Um, I'm looking to I'm find the quote really quickly from DeForest, but you know, scroll down for it because I have 19 pages of notes. I mean, the, the amount of notes that you take before <laughs> games is like... 
<laughs> it is. Wow. Um, here, it's the, Well, I appreciate you. Um, he said, with him being down, it's definitely allowed guys to step up and play a lot more. A lot more than they expected to play, and that's been really good for us. On the defensive line, the biggest thing is experience. Getting those guys reps and that experience. Obviously, missing Grove has been tremendous, a tremendous void for us. Those guys have done a good job taking on the challenge, stepping up and continuing to grow and become better players throughout the year. So now when they need to rotate in right. for Grover Stewart, or DeForest Buckner during the season. They have experience. It's not going to be their first time. That's that's very, very important. All right. We've waited long enough. Let's get to Jim Bob Cooter here. Um, we had a blast talking to Jim Bob last week, Lara. He's such a such a great personality in this league. And um, a guy who Shane Steichen, the reason why we wanted to bring Jim Bob back is that Shane Steichen last week said it's only a matter of time before mm-hmm. he starts getting head coach consideration again. So here's our interview with Jim Bob Cooter, the offensive coordinator of the Colts. All right, joining us here on the official Colts podcast, it's Colts offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter. Jim Bob, thanks for taking some time here. Uh, I know you've just finished up a busy week preparing for the Tennessee Titans, uh, but we just kind of wanted to dive into a little bit about your coaching career and, and what this year has been like for you. Uh, just start right off the bat. Like, Who do you count as some of the biggest influences when you think about your coaching career to date yeah well appreciate you guys having me uh you know what kind of grew up here in indianapolis you know Mm -hmm. so tom moore clyde christensen jim caldwell howard mudd those were the those were the coaches uh back then that really got me indoctrinated in the nfl and i learned so much from them and i'd be i'd be lying if i didn't say i learned a lot from peyton manning as well when i was here um and then sort of going on our journeys uh, that we all go on and and as coaches in the NFL, you end up being around a ton of coaches, learning a ton of stuff, and uh, just trying to pick up something or, or as much as you can from all of them. So whether that's, you know, Brian Dable and Nick Sirianni in Kansas City, uh, Adam Gase, John Fox in Denver, uh, going to Detroit back with Jim Caldwell and, and a bunch of really good coaches there, uh, kind of bouncing around all over the league and, and learning as much as I can. Obviously, meeting up with Shane Steichen um, in Philadelphia, and then, uh, even down down in Jacksonville last year, the the bitter division rival of ours, the Jacksonville Jaguars, but some you know some real good coaches there and learned a ton uh, from Doug Peterson and Press Taylor and Phil Rauscher and a bunch of those guys. So been lucky enough to be around a bunch of really good coaches and have tried to try to soak up a lot of information as I go. I'm gonna say that's a, that's a lot to kind of have. Are you like a note taker of like, hey, you know, I noticed this thing or there's this one thing that maybe Jim Caldwell did that I really like, or do you just kind of store it up in your brain and kind of access it when you need? Yeah, probably gotten better over the years of, of taking those notes and, and you know, try to always obviously as you as you're as you're in this yearly thing, this season deal, you know, we're taking our notes each week to beat the Tennessee Titans this week and next week it'll be, you know, different opponent. We're working to kind of accomplish that job one week at a time. Um and, and have tried to kind of come up with ways that have that have been a little bit better sort of long-term note-taking, which I you know, think I've gotten a little bit better at uh, as, as I've gone through my career. But it's like we talked to the players about, you know, you got you to gotta make those notes in the moment. You got to go execute in the moment. But you hope, you hope you're retaining some of that stuff from training camp and OTAs, and it's no different for us as coaches. You don't want to lose something you learned five years ago. So we try to try to carry that over with us. I got a, you know, got a little, little bit of a plan that seems to work okay, but <laughs> always trying to find, find, find ways to improve it. 
One of the most valuable aspects of overlapping with so many guys over the course of a career, those who have such an impact on you, is also learning about guys who you would and would not want to work with later, you know, in other opportunities moving forward in your career. When you first had the opportunity to coach with Shane Steichen, what was something about him that indicated to you, not only is this guy going to get a head coaching opportunity in the league, but also, man, this is a guy who I would love to join on the staff, and I feel like that we could build something special in an offense together yeah great question um i mean in, in philly the year i was there uh, i was lucky enough to have a role where i could really um really watch the staff in action watch those guys work um sort of see how shane thought about different aspects of the game which is always always valuable to sort of sort of see how guys see how guys see things and think about things and that was really eye-opening to me to, to hear a few things that he said that were you know really good points maybe i hadn't thought of before um, but really the thing that's most exciting is just Shane's, boy, day after day, day in, day out demeanor, just coming to office, coming to the office, coming to work, um, you know, putting in a good work day, going into the next good work day, not letting, you know, we're going to have these moments in practice where we make a mistake on offense or maybe game day we make our mistake. And as coaches, we always coach that. And sometimes we get animated. Uh, Shane has done such a great job of, you know, sort of, you know, we, we, we coach that play or we coach that mistake. And then we're just on to the next one. We're going to have a good day the next day. We're going to have a good uh, period the next practice period. We're going to, you know, he just kind of keeps us going in a good direction. Um, that was evident in Philadelphia. Um, and that was, that's, that's, that's the type of guy you like to work for because, you know, your, your, your tomorrow is not necessarily influenced by how well today goes. You're able to sort of build those good days. And you know that, hey, we're going to clean up this mistake. But we're going to show up to work tomorrow, put in another good day. Not going to be a... a, a such a negative environment that, that you can find somewhere in the league. And Shane had said just recently, you know, mentioning how collaborative the process is and how much he enjoys the process of the week and what you guys are able to do in game planning. What is the dynamic between you guys like in terms of building the offense, game planning, all of that, with his being head coach and offensive play caller, but you're also in the role as offensive coordinator? Yeah, I think I think it's the job of our, you know, entire offensive coaching staff to support Shane as the, mm -hmm. as the play caller. I've always kind of felt the guy that, that calls the play, you know, gosh, on game day, he's, he's really, he's in the action. He's in the game. He's in the moment. We're, we're here to help him. So as we set up our weekly schedule, as we set up the way we sort of game plan different situations, game plan different areas, uh, you know, Shane works with us. We work with him in a lot of different areas. You know, ultimately, it's going to be his final call. Gosh, I like play A and B. Maybe Shane likes play B, C, and D. I might try to get play A in. I might try to sell it a little bit. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But ultimately, you know, the, I think the, the play caller has earned the right to, to kind of have those plays he really believes in. In So it's, it's, it's our job. You know, it's my job as offensive coordinator. But like I said, it's our entire staff is working some facet of this where we're going to try to sort of flush out as many good ideas as we can, talk about them. Um, and then ultimately, we're going to put the best ones on the sheet. And Shane kind of is always going to have the tiebreaker being the play caller, which he should. Situationally, how collaborative is that process? You know, thinking about like Shane saying that Tom Manning was the one who came up with the the pass to Mo against the mm -hmm. Buccaneers. We got Zaire in there, uh, the heavy play action. That that was kind of where that idea came from. Like when when you talk about third down, red zone, short yardage, backed up, all those different situations. Like how collaborative is that process and with the entire coaching staff? Yeah, a lot of our a lot of our work uh, it's been a really good process this year a lot of our work 
Um, every group works together a little bit different. Every group works individually a little bit different. I would say a lot of our work, you know, we may go into separate offices, do our own research, do our own, whether it's short yardage, whether it's red zone, whether it's two minute, you know, every every coach sort of has certain areas they're involved in pretty heavily in that. Um, we'll sort of spend our time game planning that and then come together and discuss our ideas. So, you know, whether it's Tom Manning bringing up a great short yardage idea or, you know, somebody coming in with a great red zone idea, uh, we, we, we sort of have our time where we're able to go do that work on our own. Then we get together as a group. Gosh, let's talk through them all. That We, we, we always kind of have too many, right? You always have too many ideas. You can't put them all in. We got to have that discussion. Um, sometimes one of them in particular catches your eye, especially catches Shane's eye. Like that one kind of that one kind of lit him up. He was he was excited about that one. Um, and that, that's part of the collaborative process. You know, hey, let's come in there with as many ideas as we can. And then ultimately, we know there's only so many you can call in a game. There's only so many you can get the practice reps of. So we have to be smart about how many of those mm -hmm. we put on the sheet. But gosh, let's all bring good ideas in there, and then we'll see if we can't find find a few first downs and touchdowns in there. Jim, I'm curious about this. You, at the start of your career, you worked with Peyton Manning, you know, Indy, Denver. Then you worked with Matthew Stafford, two guys who were established by the time you got to work with them. Last two years, Trevor Lawrence in year two. Now this year, you developed an offense for Anthony Richardson in year one. Obviously, that's now shifted to Gardner Minshew, more of a veteran there. But how has working with younger quarterbacks challenged you as a coach, uh, you know, to provide things that maybe you didn't have to provide a Stafford or a Manning earlier in your career? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's been really good to get work with a bunch of different guys. Um, obviously, when I showed up here, with Peyton Manning, you know, shoot, I was I was the I was the the bright-eyed rookie. You know, I was I was young and learning, and as a quality control coach, you learn so much and you do so much work. Um, I was I was learning so much from Peyton, and sort of maybe later later in our experience together, especially maybe in Denver, I was able to sort of maybe give give a little bit back. Um, but then with Stafford. Uh, obviously, an established vet who'd seen a ton of ball and, and retained so much, he understands and and remembers so much. Um, there are a lot of shortcuts you can take with a veteran quarterback. Hey, Matthew Stafford, this is just like such and such you guys ran uh, before we got here. Y'all called it this, and you ran it like this, and you know we're going to shorten that one route by a yard or two. But that's the same thing. Read it the same way. Um, when you're with you know young quarterbacks from different backgrounds, different college programs. Uh, you know the shortcuts don't exist. You need to sort of, you need to sort of flesh out the details in every every football play, every progression, every detail. That there's a million details in in quarterbacking, but you get to sort of start from start from ground zero, start from first principles, and just sort of sort of build the information that you're teaching uh, those guys uh, and try to build it in the right manner, uh, which is exciting, right? You, you don't skip step two. Don't go step one to step three. You got to hit every single step. Let's not forget about this because maybe he's never gotten that rep against such and such a coverage. Um, whereas maybe with a with an eight or ten year vet, you can say, "Gosh, this guy knows cover two. You never throw it to such and such." You know. Mm -hmm. So. All right, we're talking about Peyton Manning. Have people pointed out that you and Peyton? have a similar like cadence in your voice you guys kind of sound similar in press conferences because earlier in the season we were all listening we're like oh my gosh Jim Bob kind of sounds like Peyton there's a similarity there and it's funny because we had coach Steichen mic'd up a couple weeks ago and there are some similarities between the gollies and the you know yeah. that we knew from from Philip Rivers have people pointed that out have you found that yourself that this is the first time um I think it's uh <laughs> 
it's a University of Tennessee thing. I think that's <laughs> you know we we the the, the schooling's pretty high level uh, down there. So we've we probably received a lot of the same media training uh, from Bud Ford and some of those guys down there. We got some uh, got some great media training back in the day. But uh, no, I hadn't hadn't heard that. I have to keep an eye on it. I have to switch some things up on everybody. It's good to know. <laughs> we'll work our editing magic. Yeah, we'll do a little know. little Manning Jim Bob mashup for potentially. Yep. <laughs> With everything, the adversity that you guys have been through this season, of course, you know, not having Jonathan to start the season, suffered, of course, the injury last week. You have everything that we went through with Anthony Richardson as well. Man, offensive line, too. I feel like that's almost been um, not recognized, not under-recognized, but something that has somewhat flown under the radar with the rotation that you've had. Wesley French stepping in at center in a number of positions. You have Blake Freeland in both on the left and the right side. How have those challenges, the obstacles that are inevitable in you know any NFL season, how have those helped you guys evolve as an offense with all of the different moving parts that you've had and the different guys who have stepped up in a number of critical situations? Yeah, great question. I mean, it's something that I think in, in in the course of an NFL season, you're really lucky if you find yourself uh, not in those <laughs> situations. You end up it ends up happening all over the league, all over the field, in different position rooms, mm-hmm. uh, and all that. Um, you know, guys miss a few weeks here and there. You hope a guy can miss a few weeks and, and he's on his way back. Um, and, and for instance, you talked about Blake Freeland. You know, Blake Freeland gets to play a few games, and gosh, he gets better and better as he plays those games. Now, if if, if Blake Freeland's got to play the next game, you feel like, gosh, he's, he has gotten better as the year goes on. We've seen that from him, um, and, and that's that's been, you know, guys get better in practice. You're supposed to. That's what we're going to do. At a certain point, you only practice in pads so much. The football's a little bit different than, than game day football. Um, so you have a little more confidence in a guy that's played two or three good games. Wesley French played a few good games up there. You go, gosh, if French is in there, we're just fine. Go play good football again, you know. So it's that way with a lot of positions. You end up building, you hope, building a little better depth, a little more depth just because, gosh, there are more reps to, to be had at certain positions. Ultimately, you know, we, we play 17 regular season games. You'd love to play, gosh, you'd love to keep everybody healthy and play <laughs> everybody all 17. It's just not the reality. Uh, of the of the league but uh you know opportunities sometimes get created for other guys and throughout this league I've seen a bunch of guys take advantage of those opportunities Mm -hmm. and you know make make the team better make themselves better and 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 really really go from there so uh it's part of it's part of the yearly process and we're 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 hopeful and and sort of excited that we think it's built some depth and we're and we're we're heading a good direction because of it. Having said all that, we hope everybody's <laughs> on their way back to health soon. You know, that's that's kind of the ultimate hope. How rewarding, though, is it for you as a coach when you, you know, maybe do have a guy who finally gets an opportunity and he does rise to the occasion when you see a guy who steadily improves over the course of the week when he's thrust into a difficult situation that, you know, maybe came a little bit sooner than what he initially may have been prepared for? Yeah, it's really cool. Um, really cool because these guys put in so, so much work. Uh, when you're not maybe not playing on game day, maybe you don't get recognized for it. Your family, your friends, gosh, how's it going up there? Uh, we don't see you playing all that much, but these guys are working so hard. Maybe scout team, maybe sort of some reps here and there uh, during the week, and to see guys sort of sort of take advantage of those mm-hmm. opportunity. It's a testament to their hard work. It's a testament to you know, probably what got most of them in the league in the right. first place, putting that work in. And honestly, it's a testament to their position coaches. A lot of those guys probably don't get the credit they deserve when, you know, when a when a when a backup player comes in because a starting player has gotten injured, uh, you know, 
and that backup player plays well. A lot of credit is deserved by that backup player being ready to go and getting himself ready for that game action. But th those position coaches deserve mm -hmm. some 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 uh, some love as well for for all the work they've put in to get them to that point. And it does happen so much in this league, and it's so so good to see it. You've seen those examples over and over through the years where. You know, a guy makes a big catch or a guy's able to step in and play offensive line and, and you don't miss a beat maybe. Uh, and he just plays such good football. And we're, we're, we're always excited when, when guys have their opportunity to do that. A couple years ago, you were, you know, a young OC of the Detroit Lions, play caller there. That offense was rolling, you know, especially early on in your tenure there. You've kind of had to work your way back to become an offensive coordinator, going to New York, going to Philly, Jacksonville. What do you know now as an offensive coordinator that maybe you, I don't know if you wish you knew back in the first time around, or what sort of wisdom have you gained over these years now as an OC again? Yeah, hopeful, hopefully a lot. Uh, hopefully quite a bit. Um, you know, this, this, this game of football is, is, it's a complex game. There's a lot of stuff you can learn and a lot of stuff, you know, gosh, we're on our players Trying to trying to coach these guys to learn a lot about the game could be what we're doing offensively, what the defense is doing, and how that can help them play a little bit better. Well, there's there's a lot of there's a lot that coaches get better throughout their career as well. Um, it's something that uh, I think I've think I've tried to do a good job of the last four or five years, and been put in some different roles, um, which have ultimately been really beneficial for me. Sort of seeing different side of the game being a running back coach and, and maybe diving a little deeper into the run game um, or some of the technique-specific things of the run game uh, that maybe I hadn't hadn't dove into as a quarterback coach or an offensive coordinator at that time. Um, and then being able to be in Philadelphia and sort of sort of watch those guys do their work while I was helping, but I wasn't sort of hands-on active, uh, was able to sort of take that sort of 10,000-foot view and just sort of hopefully improve and get better. And like we talked about earlier, maybe make a few of those notes that – that we hope we hope carries over as the career moves forward. One of the things looking at, especially with the offense, has been able to accomplish this season. What ten games this season? You've scored twenty points or more. You're now right in the thick of it in the month of December. When you look at that group, what is most exciting to you about the opportunity that they have and what they have the potential to do? Coming off of you know the, those three straight wins, uh, you know stacking wins and getting into position where you're playing your best football at the right time. Yeah, that 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 that's what's most exciting. You 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 play early in the year so that you're playing meaningful football in November and December. You know, we we got to that point in November. We started playing a little bit better. We got winning games. November went pretty well. Now we're going into December and it's it's all out ahead of us here. We got to we got to push to make uh along the final the final sort of stretch of this season uh to hopefully make that playoff push. And and offensively, we've got to improve our play along with that because along with the games getting a little bit bigger sometimes you gotta you gotta you gotta improve that play a little bit better you gotta make one less mistake you gotta make one more great catch or great block or great throw um it's 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 an exciting time of year being able to get into that mode where you're playing really important football late in the year when it gets cold and rainy and and it's snowing and you know it's nasty out that's you're playing good football that time of year and it's really important that's really fun and uh, we hope our guys are going to have fun doing that. We're going to go attack that challenge, and uh, hopefully, we we hope 
hope our fans get to come to some exciting games, some sort of big games here where, you know, gosh, we really need to win this game. We need the fans to be loud. Those are the most fun games, aren't what, they? So we, we're hoping for some of those. What do those feel like as a coach? Like when you're on the sideline and you're, you're kind of you're in it in those moments in those big games in December. Yeah, it's really really cool. Um, you know, it's kind of what we're in it for. Uh, you want to get into the, the the biggest of the big games and go do your job at a really high level. Go perform on game day. You know, obviously the players are out there. They're running routes. They're running the ball. They're throwing, catching. Uh, coaches, we have our job to do on game day as well, and it's you know it's all on us to do that really really well. You know, we may we may have a little. A little smaller impact than the starting quarterback or something on game day, but we have a little role in that game, and we want to do it really well. And it's it's exciting to have the challenge of, gosh, I need to be Sunday. I need to be sharp. I need to be on it, you know. And that's that's what I think the really good coaches in this league do. They show up on game day, uh, sort of sort of ready to have a great day and ready 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 to be really on really on top of whatever their job is for that staff. All right. Jim Bob Cooter, thanks so much for joining us here. We really appreciate your time and uh, good luck the rest of the season. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks to Colts offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter for coming back here. He sat in that seat. We kind of shifted it around. We had three people. <laughs> so for our YouTube viewers, uh, sorry for the little uh, change up in that. But it's movie magic. It is. Absolute I am magic. not Jim Bob Cooter. You are not. I'm not. I would but, like to be, though. I mean, he, you, he's pretty tall. Jim Bob's a big guy. He is a big guy. Yeah. Well, he's a quarterback. Right. Yeah, former quarterback. I mean. Um, I saw, there's someone who Jim Bob played with in college who's, like, still in the NFL. I think it's a long snapper. Wow. Uh, yeah. I'd have to go, go back and find that one. But, okay, so Jim Bob's interesting, Lara, because I remember when I was covering the Bears and in the NFC North when, mm-hmm. when he, they were rolling with Matt Stafford uh, in Detroit, and it was like, all right, Jim Bob Cooter's one of those like rising coaching candidates. Mm-hmm. And then things got off the rails in Detroit. Matt Patricia got there. Through, through no fault of Jim Bob's. Correct. Right, exactly. Matt I mean, Patricia and got, my seatmate, I feel like I have to defend yes. right here. You know? Matt, Matt Patricia got there. That did not go the way right. Detroit think, thought it would. Matthew Stafford got hurt a couple times. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Jim Bob has to go on this kind of journey to rebuild his career, mm-hmm. which is not an easy thing to do. But he talked on it mm-hmm. about how going to be the running backs coach for the New York Jets mm-hmm. helped him out. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of takes this broader view as a consultant with the Eagles. And then he's a passing game coordinator with the Jaguars. Now and he comes here. that role with the Eagles is what introduced him to Shane. Right. And you know, that's obviously something. something that we touched on there is the dynamic that they forged and created from that opportunity. But I think his the experiences and now the people he's worked with since his career kind of hit hit a bit of a skid, again, for really no fault of his own, really benefit him right now mm-hmm. as the Colts are game planning. And he is in this role where, you know, a lot of people ask, right, like, as the offensive coordinator who doesn't call plays, like, what do you do? Right. But what he said, I thought was a great answer of, you know, you support the play caller, mm-hmm. you all kind of collaborate on stuff and you bring ideas together. And he has a big role in that. And I also notice because of my vantage point on game days, I'm down on the sidelines doing radio. So Shane is obviously looking comprehensively at the entire game. He's, of course, engaging with the well, offense at certain periods of time, but it has to be pretty limited because he's looking at everything, looking at you know if he should throw a challenge flag. He's watching the defense. He's doing you know all those different things um, over the course of the game. So Jim Bob has such a heavy role in you know engaging with and you know being in constant communication down on the field with the offense as well. So it's fun to watch how he works on game day and how he operates. And his involvement in working with all of those guys down there on the field, you know, especially especially with the quarterbacks. Yeah. 
everybody plays a part. And when you put up 31 points against the Titans on the road, like the Colts did, um, every, everyone's got a part. In what that. now? 11 games with 20 points or more this season? Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that right? So, there, I mean, there's only been the only game that fact, didn't was the Patriots game. Yes. In, in Germany. How could we one. forget? Hey, that was a win. I'm not forgetting it. <laughs> Patriots <laughs> probably not, want to forget I'm it. I'm not forgetting you it. See I'm it? not forgetting real, it either. Real, real quick aside. You see what happened with the Patriots over the weekend? They lost six to nothing to the Chargers. Oh, I sure did. Yeah. The Patriots Steelers game that's coming up. Okay. On Thursday night might be one of the lowest scoring games of the year. Like, e- like even to that point, it's going to look like uh, like an Iowa game potentially, because <laughs> um, Bill Belichick can still coordinate the heck out of a defense, but Steelers offense can have to go to Mitch Trubisky in that game. It's going to be interesting. It will, it, yeah, it will be. And I mean, Steelers are dealing with you know injuries as well. Like aside from Kenny mm-hmm. Pickett, yep. Um, so it's tough. It's a tough week to be on a short week. There's never a good week to right. be on a short week, but especially tough. One thing I asked Shane about also in our conversation yesterday was how much truth there is to catching a team on a short week because Cincinnati, although they got yep. the win on Monday Night Football, you got to fly back from Jacksonville. Now you only have, you know, you have a short turnaround to get ready for a home game. And he said, you know, he said it's, you know, an interesting question. There are things that you can kind of look into um, and try to exploit about that. But totally just still comes down to preparation, game planning, practice, all of that. But I do think that is an interesting factor of this game upcoming. Right. Well, and then the flip side of that is the Steelers will have extra rest going into week 15 against the Colts while the Colts will be on a shorter week going into that game. So how can you manage all this stuff? And I mean, the one thing I just keep going back to, there's so much weird stuff that's still going to happen in the playoff race. These next five games, just weird stuff is going to happen. Just wonky things are going to be all over. The Steelers lost to the Cardinals by two touchdowns in a game that got delayed twice by weather. Yeah, sure. That sounds about right. Just stuff like that. Or games like the Colts had against the Titans. Mm -hmm. Like just Julian Blackman recovering a fumble and then losing it. Uh, You have two blocked punts, one that wasn't technically a blocked punt. But then in between that, you have the Titans having a pick two. Because, of course, a 100-yard pick, too. Just why not? You have Gardner Minshew almost throwing an interception to end the game. You have a lead change in overtime mm-hmm. where the Titans go down and get a field goal, and then the Colts hit a 55-yard at Alec Pierce. They get Michael Pittman for the game-winning touchdown. Like, a lead change in overtime would be like, wow, what a crazy game. But that was, like, the seventh weirdest thing that happened. Well, you also had the trick play to Kylan Granson. Trick play to Kylan. Every team ran. They, they both ran trick plays. There were, like, multiple flea flickers in this game. Because, of course, there were. That's just what this season's like right now. Completely. And, I mean, that the good part is, is that all of the wildness has benefited the Colts. It has. And the Colts are doing a really good job handling that chaos. That, how do you handle the chaos? Yeah. That's the story right now. Your backup quarterbacks all over the place. Guys coming in and out of your starting lineup. Weird, wonky. Th- the, the, the Bengals throwing two wide receiver passes, like I mentioned, and still winning. Just, okay, sure. Why not? Let's just throw that one in there for good measure. Mm-hmm. Like the Bills losing that game to the Eagles where you have a 58-yard field goal in a driving rainstorm that goes into send it to overtime because, yeah, sure, why not? Exactly. Just weird stuff is going to happen, but the Colts continue to come out of those chaotic games with wins, and that's what you need in a playoff race. Just continue taking your blood pressure medication because the cardiac Colts are in full effect in the month of December and will continue to be. So, you know, meditation is good, you know, stay well Uh hydrated over the course of your games and, you know, just make sure you keep 
keep everything in check. Yeah. You know, a little yoga from time to get time. A, get a 40 ounce Stanley mug and then get roasted <laughs> by your friends for it, like I do all the time. Exactly. I walk into a meeting with a Stanley mug on Monday and just, oh, I can't believe you got a Stanley mug. And then I, I was, also like that you call it a Stanley mug because you won't say Stanley Cup because the Stanley Cup to you is specifically the hockey that's trophy. That's correct. So you, but then, but then, okay. So just to, to close out this podcast, I get roasted because I'm like, I got the legit Stanley Cup. And then I'm like, you know, oh, I can't believe you have the real Stanley Cup, you know, oh, basic. And I'm like, Lara, you have a knockoff one. And I just get everyone. There is no way Lara Overton is a knockoff Stanley Cup. No way. It's a real thing. Hey, I if I had the knockoff one, I would be proud of it. I just don't have. I received my. Now I have to, I'm in defense. Yeah, of my you are. Stanley yeah, we're all in defense right mode about this. It was a gift. I would like, yeah. I mean, I also have a lot of drinking receptacles. Um, so, you know, I, I have a lot of things. I've got the Turvis Tumbler. i got the Yeti. I have an array of them. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be bougie with the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup. I just like a lot of beverages. And it's a great way to stay hydrated is the real point I was making. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, go ahead and roast me, everyone else, for having a Stanley Cup. It does Stanley make a good cup. Christmas gift. If Great Christmas gift. Holiday gift this season, a little stocking stuffer. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the official Colts podcast presented by Win Las Vegas. The crew will be back on Thursday. Mate, Casey, and Bill Brooks uh, with a TBD player. I don't want to give it away, but the player that they were trying to get for Thursday. Maybe the most interesting man on the team. We'll see. Oh, I think I I think you got an idea. If you got an idea, guess it in the YouTube comments and then hope that that guy shows up on Thursday for the podcast. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us again here on the official Colts podcast presented by Win Las Vegas for Lara Overton. I'm JJ Stankovitz. Connor handles behind the camera this week. Thanks for shooting that one. And we will talk to you next week here on the official Colts podcast. 